Welcome to Navigating Love and Immigration. I'm your host, Megan Pastrana. Falling in love is exciting. Maintaining a healthy relationship takes work. And when you're going through an immigration process, you are faced with unique challenges. This podcast is for anyone in a cross-cultural relationship who finds themselves lost in the labyrinth of U.S. immigration. We will interview relationship experts, explore the stories of real couples, and provide important tips on starting the next chapter of your lives together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Navigating Love and Immigration. I'm super excited because in this episode, I have an amazing uh, friend and guest and relationship expert with us. Her name is Marie Elizabeth Molly. And Marie Elizabeth has an amazing job and I love her job title. She's a relationship transformation expert and she is the CEO and founder of Relationship Alchemy. And she also has a, a podcast. She hosts a podcast called Relationship Alchemy. And I think that's such a fun title. So what Marie Elizabeth does is such, it's so beautiful. She really works with individuals and couples to go through and navigate those heavy challenges of love to turn it into gold, just like it sounds, relationship alchemy. And I love the modality in which you use Marie Elizabeth for your coaching and that of the, the parallel paths of inner and outer work, because that's so important in a relationship. It's, it's you and the other person and then the two of you together as a team. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else you want to add to your work in the world? I think you covered it really well. Uh, maybe one thing to add would be that I have a background in traditional Chinese medicine. So I'm always looking at the underlying foundation of the relationship, as well as any symptoms that are arising in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that because I know we've, we've discussed that before. And I think that's so important that you're getting to the root and not just Band-Aid solutions, because there's a lot of Band-Aid solutions nowadays. But if you're not addressing that, the, the root cause, you're not going to be able to, to fix things. And right. I'd, yeah. And I'd also like to clarify for everyone, when do couples or individuals usually come to you? Is it when they're experiencing problems or when there are presenting issues? And when do you recommend that, that couples or individuals look into work like this with relationship expert work? Well, there's a couple of times where people tend to come. One is when problems are presenting themselves and they want support in shifting and moving through those issues. But another more hidden reason people come is the relationship is good and they want to know how to take it to great because relationships have a, a lot of potential to both grow us individually and grow us in relation to another person. So you don't actually have to wait for things to be messed up or bad to make things better. In fact, I think the more you learn how to up your skill when things are good, you can go so much further because you're not trying to remediate something that has already started to break. Yeah, that's so important because I know a lot of the couples that I work with, their relationships are new and they're in that very magical phase of falling in love. And it's so exciting. And it's not something that's necessarily on their their radar, that potential for that trajectory of growth personally and, and in their relationship. And so I think that it's so important to be considering that that path is a path of, of growth individually and, and together. And so I'm very yes. excited for our discussion here today. And I know that when I, when you and I were talking earlier today, I said that something that I know couples going through an immigration process are facing, it's really a, a trifecta of things. It's 
this really long wait time. And oftentimes uh, they are living in two separate countries. So there's that component of distance. And then there's a component of maybe being in limbo while you're waiting for certain phases of the case, be it a work permit or, or the actual green card, and just feeling this inability to plan fully for the future because you're waiting on this immigration process. So it's a lot of like you're calling those heavy challenges of, of life. And it might seem like, how is that possible to turn something like that into gold? But I really wanted to have you talk about this slow and, and flow practice that you talk about in one of your podcasts for dealing with difficult times and any other advice you'd have for couples confronting these kinds of difficulties. Wonderful. Well, my first invitation would be to, especially if you are in different countries, is to don't immediately go to the difficulty of that and what a bummer it is and all of that. As best you can, try to reframe that separation time as an opportunity to get to know each other more deeply and in ways that you may not use when you're together. When you're together, it's yummy, it's juicy, you can touch each other, you know, you can be physically intimate, you can be close. But when you're separated, that piece is taken away. So then there's an opportunity to get to know each other more deeply on the level of communication and conversation and get to know each other's stories more deeply and your history. So there's really a chance to deepen intimacy in innovative and new ways, let's say over Zoom or FaceTime or whatever you have access to, phone, if that's what all you have. But you can really get to know each other in such a deep way because you are having to rely on basically communicating with each other without other opportunities to be together. So in some ways, there's less distraction, I think, because you might have to work a little harder initially to get excited about, okay, well, we're going to, let's play some games over FaceTime. Let's ask each other questions. There's a wonderful resource that was put out by the New York Times that was 36 questions to fall in love. And you could find that for free online and ask each other a question a night, something like that. So there's ways that you can use the time where you're physically apart that'll still build more intimacy between you for when you come back together. And then you'll already be connected and there won't be as much kind of gear change to then be together. Mm -hmm. So how does that land before I go into the slow and flow? Yeah, that's so beautiful because I, that's kind of advice that I give, you know, to couples too. And I know a lot of couples do things like that. I, and I love hearing the ways that they're being creative to connect. We have a couple that'll talk about cooking with each other and they might be on two completely different time zones, right? One cooking breakfast and the other one's cooking dinner, but they're doing something together there on, on Zoom or however, whatever platform that they happen to be using. And I've even had couples tell me that they'll, fall asleep with each other at night through like, you know, like a platform like that, just let, having the camera or whatever, feeling that connection and just feeling like they talk until they they fall asleep. But I think it is that is a very beautiful to really deepen that that emotional connection and get to know each other better because it's really easy on and the every, you know, the day to day that we don't necessarily take that time to connect and talk because we have it. We're together, right? It's easy to just exactly. get into a routine and to make that a deep connection. So I think that's beautiful. And we'll definitely find those 36 questions and, and post that too, so couples can use that. Awesome. So about flow and slow or slow and flow practice, 
this is something that my partner and I have talked about quite a bit. We met in a personal growth community where this idea was talked about. So slow practice is the time that you put in, basically the time on the mat of any practice. So this can apply in relationship, but this also applies with your own, let's say your meditation practice or your yoga practice or your exercise practice. There's any number of places you can apply this idea. So slow practice is where you're doing your practices each day. You're showing up to the Zoom call. You're talking to each other. You're connecting. Or if you're together, you're you're having conversations. You're asking questions. You're you're building that intimacy when things are basically good, so that you have some spaciousness in your life enough to do your practices and have a repetitive, ongoing relationship to your own interiority and to each other's interiority. Flow practice is when life speeds up, when the shit hits the fan and you have to just go, like you're in the middle of a move or you're, you know, something big is happening. And that's when you need to just be able to move as one, you know, to move as a team. However, if you haven't been doing slow practice, if you haven't been building a sense of intimacy, a sense of team, a sense of connection, during the easier times, it can be harder to access flow together when life speeds up, when you're facing a deadline or you have to, you're headed to your immigration appointment, whatever the stressor might be. If you've banked solid slow practice in the slow time, you can trust that you'll be able to shift into gear for the flow practice much more readily already be on the same team and things will go so much more smoothly. And then after that intensity goes down again, then that's the time. You know, maybe sometimes when it's intense, you don't get to do your daily practices, right? You're just moving and doing. But then when things slow down again, then you come back to slow practice. You pick up your meditation, you pick up your yoga, whatever it is, or you pick up your conversational practices with each other that that have you feel closer And in that way, you're continually feeding, again, the foundation, the root of your relationship when you have space to do so. So that if the unexpected occurs, one of you has to go to the hospital, whatever it is that's happening, you're already in sync and you can just go. Yeah, I love that. And and something I wanted to mention, too, that I I know you had in that that podcast episode was how you plan for unexpected events to the extent we can plan for unexpected events in life. And one of the takeaways that I got from that in the context, too, of an immigration journey would be there's going to be things that are going to, to come up in an immigration journey. I know at the beginning, oh. immigration can seem deceptively simple that it's it's just forms. And I always prepare couples, you know, we're working with the government. It's a, it's a you know, a bureaucratic system. There can be a lot of twists and turns. And we just need to be intentional in how you want to show up and be prepared that the government might ask for the same document 50 times and it being a little facetious, but it'll be frustrating, right? Or you might get an interview that's canceled and delayed. And how are you going to show up for that? And so that's kind of going to be one of those low situations where you have like this quick deadline that you got to get something in immigration or anything, you know, those, those crazy things can happen. And so what I got from your podcast episode was the kind of plan for how do each of us show up under stress? And then when a stressful event occurs, what is something that I can handle and what I can do? And with immigration, I know you said something about like if there were a natural disaster, 
Do you have your paperwork um, prepared? And who would be best to do those things? And so, well, yeah, when working with couples, they they there tends to be one person who's really good at just being laser focused and like, yep, this is stressful and this really sucks. Well, I'm going to take care of these documents and you can get this part. And so tell us a little bit more about that team effort and how couples could show up and, and be prepared for things that are unexpected in life. It's so key to prepare in advance. So I want to say, I want to talk a little bit about stress styles as a lead-in. So we all have habituated ways that we respond to stress. And for me, I tend to, when I start to ramp up, I get nitpicky and critical. And I've just learned it's about myself. Yeah. I've just yeah. learned this about myself. It's what happens when I'm activated, right? I just, I just go into criticism and I start to move faster. So my system is a, I mean, I was born in New York, which is a fast paced city. And so my system just tends to go into high gear and I move really fast. My partner, however, or fiance, actually, my fiance, he's an engineer by background. He was trained as an engineer and he has a very mathematical spreadsheet, look at everything kind of mind. And so when he starts to get stressed out, his natural mode is that he slows down and gets more deliberate. So I speed up and he slows down. And as you can't imagine, before we worked this out, we used to clash there because I'd be like, come on, move, get moving. You know, and he'd get frustrated with how quickly I was moving because sometimes I would make errors. And as an engineer, he's very averse to errors. (laughs) So which is why he slows down and gets more deliberate. So by talking about it openly, me owning, wow, you know what I've noticed? When I get stressed, I speed up. And he's like, yeah, I've noticed I slow down. We have very different ways of responding to stress. We worked out a plan that if either of us notices the other going into their stress pattern before that person notices it themselves. Like if I start speeding up and I don't catch that I'm speeding up, but I'm starting to pick at him rather than getting defensive or mad or, you know, judging me, he has now learned to say something to the effect of, hey, I noticed that you're starting to speed up. Are you stressed? So he responds to what's changing in me with curiosity and concern and vice versa. If I notice him starting to stutter in the sense of, you know, forward movement isn't happening and he's kind of buffering, as we like to call it. His brain sort of goes into buffering and he starts to kind of there. I'll say that, hey, I notice it feels like you're buffering. Is that going on? Or it feels like you might be getting stressed. What's happening? So the first move is when you notice your partner going into whatever their stress mode is, ask, hey, how you doing? Are you stressing? How can I help? So the immediate counter to the tendency to get defensive or judge in that spot, immediately you're already countering it with concern, connection, team, because you've worked it out in advance and you know what to look for. Then, obviously, each person wants to be tracking their own stress as best as possible. I try to track and preemptively say to him, hey, I can feel myself ramping up. I can feel myself starting to get stressed. So if I get picky with you, don't take it personally. That can also be super useful. So sometimes you're not going to notice yourself. You're just going to go into the stress pattern because that's what's happening. And your partner can assist there. But other times you can feel yourself starting to stress out. And then you can preemptively 
let your partner know what's happening with you so you don't end up in a blowout. You know, all of these by planning in advance, by knowing each other's stress styles, by non-judgmentally, this is the key, by non-judgmentally working out what to do there with each other, what the best support would be with each other. Then when the thing does happen and you do get stressed out, you already have some muscle memory and you know what to do there. You know, oh yeah, don't silently judge my partner and shut down. <laughs> Instead, reach out, notice, name what's happening, ask how they're doing, whatever occurs in the moment as the right response. Yeah, that muscle memory, it really is powerful because I know when I first started practicing that, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm open to this. Is it going to work? But it really, it really does. You become more cognizant of your higher self-awareness. And then with your partner being aware of it too, it's, it's really powerful and naming it. It takes away the power of that, that stress. It kind of takes it down a little because it's, it's name, right? And the other key, actually, the other key I didn't mention here is you're not judging it either for yourself. Right. So I mentioned not judging your partner for their stress style. Don't judge yourself for your stress style. We all have these nervous systems that were built when we were little by our circumstances and our family of origin that set up the nervous system that we each have. And we can learn to work with it and befriend it and make different choices. But it's not about shaming or making wrong what your default response is. It's just your default response and that's okay, but it might not be the best response and you have options to choose differently if you stay away from judging it and go and are able to stay with, well, what would serve the situation better here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so powerful for couples to be aware of when they're starting their immigration journey that, you know, a lot of times it can take a year or more or many years to go through the process. So being intentional with having that that decision of how you want to show up in the process, but then also knowing your stress styles like you were talking about and talking about those. Because my, I think it's interesting to hear you and your, your fiance's dynamic. And then my husband and I are both kind of more like you in terms of just like something stressful happens. And then we start reacting quickly and just getting really ramped up. Right. Um, and yeah. so it's really good for us to both be aware that that's our style because that's not very productive either if we're both <laughs> showing up that way. So for both of us to be able to to name that and recognize that, and sometimes one of us will have a higher level of stress and one of us is more cognizant of, hey, wait, hold on, we're both really stressed out right now. Let's take a deep breath. Everything has a solution. Take a walk, whatever we need to to do to bring it back down and have some some clarity through the situation. So I think that's really that's really beautiful to have that intentionality and for couples to have that conversation about stress styles. Absolutely. And I want to say a word about being on the same team here, because what can happen also when we get stressed out, especially if both partners are stressed out, is the stress can tend to turn you on each other. Now, you're stressed about a thing that's out here happening in your life. But what happens is you start to turn on each other instead of both looking at the stressful thing together as a team. So yep. what I often suggest is if you're in a stressful moment and you're trying to figure out something that needs to be handled, sit next to each other on the couch, on a bench, whatever, sit next to each other and imagine the problem out in front. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you're reinforcing on a bodily level that you're on the same team and you're looking together at this thing you're trying to solve 
Because when you sit opposite each other at a table, it can communicate to your nervous system that your adversary is like someone the fight or flight, somebody's got to win, somebody's going to lose, somebody's going to win, and your system naturally wants to win, so you're going to, you might go into attack mode. Whereas if you choose to sit next to each other and face the problem that you put out in front of you, metaphorically speaking, that reinforces this idea of being on the same team and tackling this thing together. Obviously, this is harder to do if you're on Zoom, but I mean, if you're in person, you can do this. Yeah. That's beautiful. And that's that's definitely a practice, too, that my that my husband and I have adopted. And we are both people who have trouble sitting still. We both are very active. <laughs> and so we have found we can do that by walking. And yes, go on a walk basically every single day because we have an adorable dog that will look out the window at night and look at us like, is it time to go on our walk? We found that that's a beautiful place, a beautiful spaciousness there when we can be walking together. And if there's any problems or anything, you, you do, you feel more of a, in sync more as a team that you're talking about the things, be it good things or things that need to be, to be solved. Um, but that team approach, it really is a powerful thing. So, and even for couples who might be apart, I do try to help remind them. So this is such a great reminder too, to remember you're on the same team. Cause it, like you're saying, it's so easy in a stressful situation to just need to project or, or feel like you need to lash out or get that energy out. Um, and immigration isn't necessarily like a living thing right in front of you. And so you just, um, sadly, you know, I, I work with couples, they, they take it out on each other and that causes a lot of friction. And so just to be, just, just to remember that you're in this together, you're going to be more resilient by going through this process together and sitting next to each other or walking together and talking about, you know, the situation or your future would be really powerful. So thank you for that, that team reminder. A couple of additions to that. It can be easier to communicate sometimes if you're not looking at each other. Have you noticed that? It, oh, yeah. You can kind of access your own thoughts and, and share them more readily when you're next to each other. And, and sometimes when we're face to face, it's like, it can it's be like more intimidating. Yeah, it can be more intimidating. The other piece about, I want to say about being on the same team is that you may not necessarily already have internalized in your being that your partner is on your same team. Because, for example, depending on your family of origin and what it was like at home when you were little, you may not have gotten the template for that. You may have had parents that bickered a lot or undermined each other in little ways or or passive aggressive or whatever it was. And if that was modeled to you, you don't necessarily move in the world with the assumption that your partner is on your team. So this is something that Patrick and I also had to develop deliberately because I would sometimes get combative over something that he wasn't really fighting me on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't assume we were on the same team. I didn't have that that baseline. And so a lot of what we do when we do get into conflict, one or the other of us, because when you get into a conflict, it's easy to forget that you're on the same team. And one or the other of us will say, hey, 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 hang on. What would unfold differently about this conversation if we remembered that we're on the same team right now? But now we've got a shorthand where we just go, hey, 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 same team. And then you'd pause and go, oh, Am I forgetting that this person I love most in the world is not, is actually on my team? <laughs> Am I treating them like adversary when they're not? And so that often helps to de-escalate conflicts 
back to a place where you can have a more constructive conversation. Because even when you disagree, you can still be on each other's team. You can still be on the same team, Mm -hmm. even if you disagree about how to proceed. But remembering that you are on the same team, it can bring the vigilance down. It can bring the nervous system heightening down to where you can stay more constructive with, okay, you want this and I want this. Those are two different things. Knowing that we're on the same team, how do we do what's best for what I call our union, which is the the third body or the field that's created by the two of you coming together. It's the field of the relationship. So by remembering we're on the same team, we might want different things. What does the relationship want? What would be best for our union here? What would serve our relationship the best? If we were on the same team, and it might be my idea, it might be his idea, it might be neither. It might be a third idea that emerges when we ask that question. Yeah, I like being able to take that pause and just kind of get back to the reality of yeah, being on the, the same team. Was that something that was a struggle at all, if you wouldn't mind sharing to implement? Or would you have, because that, that might be a foreign concept for a lot, you know, a lot of individuals, depending on, like you said, their background and how they grew up and and what was modeled, you know, for them. So was it was it something that was difficult to implement? And what would be some kind of tips for someone that, that might not feel necessarily organic to try to insert that in the middle? Yeah, of- it definitely, it definitely took practice. Like we had to deliberately practice this until it became more second nature. I like to insert play. And so what one thing that worked well for us is we named our team. So our team is called Team Love Bomb. And so when things are getting heated, one or the other of us will now, because it's it's integrated into the fabric of our relationship, because we've practiced it, one will say, hey, hey, Team Love Bomb, you know, remember, we're Team Love Bomb here. And so it can help to have a fun name for your team that kind of cuts through some of the activation that can happen. And you really just have to be willing to assume that this person is on your team until you actually believe it. That's what I had to do. I had to get to the place where it's like, oh, you know, he's not trying to belittle me. He's not trying to get over me in some way. He's just expressing an opinion that is his, that might be different than mine. And I had to deliberately practice that to de-escalate myself if he said something that felt belittling. But even now, certain things, like there's a way because Patrick is a techie, there's a way that if I'm having a technical issue with my computer or my phone or something, there's a way that he will troubleshoot that drives me nuts because I'm not technologically incompetent. I've done a bunch of things already before I come to him with the issue. And then he starts going super one on 101 with me, well, did you do, did you turn it off and turn it on again? Did you do this? Did you do that? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not an idiot. Of course I did this thing. (laughs) And so then sometimes he actually still, even now has to remind me, I'm not asking you these questions because I think you're dumb or incapable. I'm asking you these questions because this is how my engineer brain troubleshoots best. And I, I have to know that I've covered all the steps before I know what to do next. So this is how my brain works. I'm doing this because I need to do this. It's no reflection on you. Sometimes he still has to remind me that because I'll still start to get heated if he's asking me super basic questions that I've already done. No, 
Yeah, I know. I have engineers in the family. Yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have that's different brains. Yeah. And I mean, we all do. But yeah, and that's but just communicating that to each other, because I think we make a lot of what I'm hearing, too, from you and just reflecting on my own relationship or the couples I work with. I think there's a lot of assumptions that we just have in our mind about what the other person means or, you know, can take it personally. And then it can, yeah, can escalate quickly if you aren't communicating. This is my thought process and this is how I'm feeling or this is how I show up and not assuming that we're all, you know, we're not all wired. Obviously, we're not all wired exactly the same way. So be reminded of that. A great way to handle that assumption is to name it. So if if you're making an assumption and you realize that you're doing that, Mm -hmm. you could say something like, hey, I noticed that I'm assuming X, Y, Z here, like that I'm making your actions or your words mean such and such. Is that happening? Is that true for you? Like Mm -hmm. check yourself before they, you wreck yourself, as they say. It's like check yourself where it's like, oh, I notice I'm assuming that you're asking me these questions because you think I don't know what to do. Is that accurate? And then they can say, no, I'm not doing that at all. I'm just doing that because I need to start at step one in order to help you. In that way, you also, first of all, get to know each other's brains and how each other's works so much better. And you get to, again, circumvent blow-ups, fights, conflicts that are so often based in inaccurate assumptions that we're making because of our own insecurities, mostly, typically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you're talking about that, that reminds me too, there's one of you might be working on something or doing something. That's the thing that I keep thinking about. And you're in they're busy with that. Like uh, I can think of my husband working on something and I come in and I'm all excited to share something. And then he might be, you know, he might be frustrated about something else that's going on, be it on his phone or computer or whatever. And then I, I get a detached response. And then I think, oh, like he's mad at me. And so just to communicate, right. are you mad at me? Like, this is something exciting, you know? And it's just like, oh no, it's just X, Y, and Z, but not to keep that, that narrative in your head of what you're, again, yeah. what you're assuming. It's, it's, it's so powerful to just communicate, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm receiving. What's the truth here? Um, and get yeah. that, that out in the open. Yeah, what's happening for you? A great way to circumvent that one as well is to say, hey, I've got something super exciting to share with you. Is this a good time? And in that way, you actually prime your partner's listening for mm-hmm. that. You This is something you're excited about and you prime them to respond. First of all, they get to say, no, this isn't a good time. I'm super frustrated with what's happening with my phone right now and I don't have bandwidth. And then you say, okay, great. I'll tell you later. <laughs> you know, let me know when you're available. Or if they say, oh, yes, it also cues them to put that thing down that they're doing if they are in a space where they can put it down and actually pay attention to you 100%, because that's just going to feel so much better to both of you than you telling your partner about something when they're otherwise occupied and then their attention is split and it and it and it's just jarring. You know, it doesn't tend to go as well. Exactly. Yeah, that's so important. I know you and I could talk forever. I think this is just so, so fascinating. And I think it's going to be so helpful for uh not just couples going through the immigration process, but all all couples and also individually. So I'm so, so grateful for your time here today. And um, your time and expertise was just such amazing value. It was such a great gift, but I um, know you are such an amazing giving person that you also have a gift that you are wanting uh, to share with with everyone. 
And I will post the link uh, below wherever, wherever you happen to be watching or listening to this podcast, there will be a link to this free gift from Marie Elizabeth. Do you want to mention anything about the free gift? Sure. It's called Three Secrets to Having More Love and Connection in Your Relationships. And it's one of the secrets. It's actually the same team idea that we talked about, but the other two, I'm not going to tell you. So you have to get the gift to get it. But it, it's called my ACT formula. In the gift, I talk about my ACT formula, which is three steps to really creating relationships that have great connection, great communication, clarity, and you really feel like you're on the same team. And there's also a download of a 10-minute guided meditation as part of it that helps you embody the quality you want to move into your day with. So if you want to move into your day with calm or clarity or power or peace, whatever it is, you pick the quality you want to be feeling and emanating as you move into your day and then listen to the 10-minute meditation that will guide you through and anchor it for you so that you are ready to face whatever is coming at you that day. Oh, I love that. That's such a beautiful gift. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to to check it out. And I think that'll be awesome for all of our, our listeners, um, especially going through an immigration process. So thank you so much again for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I loved our conversation here today. So thank you. Me too. Thank you so much for asking me. I was so happy to be here. It's such an intense time. The immigration process, I'm happy to shed and you know, insert some light into it for people. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you again. I know everyone is going to benefit uh, immensely from this. So thank you. 